and welcome to Please Watch This, a film podcast where two film-loving mates with gaps in their viewing history recommend films to each other so they can once and for all answer the question, who has better taste? I'm Sam Blakely, I'm joined as I always am by Hugh Dempsey. How's it going Hugh? How's it going Sam? What's the story Morning Glory? How are you keeping? Very well, yeah not bad, keeping sane, keeping active, well that's to say active, keeping uh, sedate really, yeah, how about yourself? <laughs> Yeah, not too bad, not too bad. Um, Keeping busy. You tell me you're doing yeah. lots of walking, state ration walking. I am doing my uh, unlimited now state rationed walking, yeah. Ooh. So I've been enjoying that today. Moron. Yeah, my unlimited yep. state rationed walking. Yeah. It's been quite nice. Are you, are you listen, listening to any new podcasts or artists? Um, I started, well, quite apt for the times, I started listening to one called I'll Tell You Now, because I can't remember the name off the top of my head. It's frantic. Scarpering yeah. <laughs> yeah. uh, frantically. Fall of Civilizations, it's called. Classic huge podcast, this is it, a history yeah, one. It is indeed, yeah. Last is it night like was a... the end of Romano British rule, and I was interested to see what they had on that. It's a good podcast, British made mm-hmm. as well, which is good, so um, there's none of this. Um, I don't know, bombastic sort of Americanization of that you get sometimes with some <laughs> podcasts. Although they did, he did pronounce the Iceni tribe Ikeni, which was a bit unusual. That's which, uh, we can we can let them have one, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, I, I get it. I can understand maybe if he's trying if that's maybe the Latinate way of pronouncing it because uh, in Latin C was always hard, but instead of soft, like that's the old church Latin thing there. But um, if you're going to do that, you've kind of got to do it with other people. So you've got to pronounce <laughs> Julius Caesar, Julius Kaiser and stuff like that. And you, you fall down a rabbit hole. So. Yeah. All we need is I consistency. Just, that's all I just wanted to, for. I just wanted to get that off my chest. <laughs> but it's really good. I'm going to listen to the next episode tonight. What's that called again? Uh, it's called Fall of Civilizations. Fall of Civilizations. Yeah, it's about this one's the Bronze Age Collapse. So have you been listening or watching anything new recently? One thing that I have uh, got into a little bit is a podcast called The Bechdel Cast, which is about films and, and mostly f- female portrayal in films. And I'd had it, I'd been subscribed to it for months and months, but actually never listened to it. I think because The Bechdel Test, as interesting as it is, if if you take The Bechdel Test too seriously, it gets a bit annoying and a bit too much. Do you know The, do you know the Bechdel Test? Yep. Um... So this, but this podcast, when I listened to it, actually, it was a bit more sane than that, and a bit quite reasoned and rationed, and just a really good. Uh, Should really we explain what the Bechdel test is for those who don't know? Sure. Yeah, uh, it's it's a test to see basically uh, how well women are portrayed and how much they're portrayed in your film. Some few things: does it have more than one named female character? Do is there a scene where two women are talking to each other and it, it's not about a man? Uh, these are some of the key things. So, uh, a surprising number of films fail that test. Amazingly, even kind of very female-centric films. Um, mm. And uh, yeah, it was, it was a good, it was a good takedown of bad mums, which I've always suspected as being bad film somehow <laughs> evil. <laughs> yeah, bad mums, bad film. Speaking of films and female leads, <laughs> yeah. and female-led films, <clears throat> but ones that are actually good. We're looking at Jordan Peele's follow-up to Get Out. This is Us. 2019, a really awkwardly named film to Google, research, refer to in conversation, um, but the film Us by Jordan Peele. Now, Hugh had never seen it before, uh, which is fair because it only came out last year, and I only saw it for the first time recently, really. So, Hugh, there was. uh, Were you um, excited about seeing this before you saw it? Is it something that you'd look forward to seeing? Uh, Yeah, actually, it was because I I enjoyed Get Out. And I knew that you... Episode four of our show. Yes, it is. Um, I knew that you liked it. Um, the marketing for it didn't really give away too much about what it was about. So I was really grateful for that, yeah. Yeah, which is, a, I always think it's a strong plus for any good film if they don't give too much away. Even if it's a known mm. quantity, like Star Wars or something. I still don't want to know the nuts and bolts of the uh, plot. I want to be surprised when I go and see it. Yeah, and I, th- I think the biggest mistake that, that um, advertisers and PR and all that sort of... All those people make is that DVD trailers yeah. are so spoilerific because it's like just because I have, just because I'm getting the DVD doesn't mean I've seen it. Like the DVD, you know, the DVD trailer for Endgame gives the, lots of details about the final battle and who's there and, and all these things. Um, so yeah, luckily I didn't know much about it before I first saw. It. I only saw it for the first time last month. It was my birthday last month, and it was a, a birthday gift that I was given the uh, the DVD. So. Let's bloody well get into it. If you haven't seen us, I really, really strongly recommend that you don't listen to this right now. You go find us. Spoilers and, uh, 
we are really spoilerific, that's and it solid. is a film. That's our ju- that's our mantra, got... isn't it? Spoilerific. Spoilerific. It's, In many it's, ways, we spoil films for other people and for people who might enjoy the films. We spoil listening experiences for podcast fans <laughs> as well. I think quite often. <laughs> and, um, you should... spoil them, not me. <laughs> <laughs> I should announce we're diversifying our portfolio to now spoil people's reading their eyes. Experiences. <laughs> their, their eyes. Yeah. Hugh, do you want to tell us about the the latest developments? Yeah, so in Please we've watch set this, uh... up a blog now uh, called Please Read This. Oh so, yes, we both independently decided on that name and then conferred, and it, it, low it was. I mean, please, please read this. Was it going to be ever anything at thus? <laughs> you know, it wasn't. <laughs> so just going back to uh, us, Sam. Usually we do a quick synopsis of the film here, but just before we do it, so were you genuinely excited when this when this film was announced? Because it was only announced, I think, maybe a year after Get Out came out, and they, mm, it was a yeah. quite a quick turnaround, which. You know, for a second, you know, for the difficult second album, so to speak, is impressive, I think, in one way, to get a film of, you know, of high quality out quickly. So, do you think... Yeah. So, were you excited that this amazing hit from 2017 was going to be followed up so soon? I really was, and as I mentioned in our Get Out episode, I really love that film. I've seen it. I've seen it three times with the director's commentary, so I really love Get Out. And so I was excited about this. I was also a bit nervous, a bit trepidatious because difficult second album and, and all those things. But I kind of trust Jordan Peele. Seems like a very intelligent, talented man. And like you, I, I didn't know anything from the promo. I didn't want to. I, I, I always turn off trailers for it. So I was, I was really excited. And yeah, you actively avoid left script. trailers, don't you? Oh, yeah. The first time I really actively did that, to, in my memory, was Dark Knight Rises. Um which at the time, you know, was the biggest film coming out in that year or in, in that spell of time. I was really glad that I did because I didn't know anything about it. Same with Avengers Endgame, Infinity War. I, I think it's definitely the best way to to enjoy any film. The best way to enjoy any film, I find, is if you're just idly flicking through the channels and it's on. It feels like your own little your own little world. <laughs> but anyway, we, we talked for a little while. I'm going to get straight into, uh, into the synopsis. Um I suppose tricky one to synopsize, but uh, a, a family go on a little beach holiday um, where they are greeted with strange underworld versions of themselves called the untethered, so called the tethered. Um, there's a lot more to it than that, um, but there's a tethered family. They kind of kidnap them, not kidnap them. They hold them hostage in their own house, and it's not really clear what they're after. Essentially. They're part of a population of tethered people who are living out the same life as people above land, uh, underland, but uh, underground. But it's a lot more dark and twisted, and they seem to want to um, emancipate themselves. And it's about inequality and 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 having a you know hidden members of society that that don't really get what they're what they what they deserve. Yeah, and then I think that's basically is it's hard to yeah if you're gonna it's hard to be pithy so. Obviously, because this is a synopsis and it is full of spoilers. So what ends up happening is you find out that it was like a plot by the government to try and clone people, to try and control them. But then it didn't work. So the plot was abandoned by the government and all these kind of tethered people, as it's called, or are kind of left to their own devices. And the film kind of mm, flipped. And they seem, to, yep. they seem to have cloned them physically really well, but with no soul. That's yeah, kind that's of the idea. sort of the idea, isn't it? That there's... There's, there is a, like a religious aspect that's not overly played, I would argue, which is good, mm. but it's kind of explains, you know, that I don't know. It's hard to explain. This is this is one of these films where you kind of go, yeah, hmm, how do I explain this succinctly without <laughs> sounding like a crazy person? <laughs> yeah, because it's a it's a like Get Out really. Get Out has a plot, but it has a theme, yeah, and it's a it's a theme piece. This one's a bit more of a genre piece than, than Get Out, but we'll we'll get into that. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to tell uh, tell Hugh and, and you, the listener, what I love about this film so much. I'm going to try and make it as short as I can because there's a lot to discuss in this. So I'm assuming a lot of the things that I, I'm going to say they're going to come up in our conversation anyway. So I think for me, what really stands this out is it's a really just on the just straight away a really good creepy horror film you know it's a it's a horror film with some with some laughs and so on but the first thing it has to be is quite scary and i think it does manage that jordan peele and his team clearly know a lot about what makes something creepy and scary uh, certain shots people running in odd ways or standing still in the darkness and those kind of things really very creepy like that very good at making you uneasy just as with get out same composer 
um, did the same score. Really unsettling scores. Even the choice of music that's that's pop music um, has that as well. I saw Jordan Peele in, a, in an interview talking about one of the reasons why they chose I Got Five on it by Lunis, uh, Lunis, Lunitz, is Lunis. Um, it's got a really strangely haunting theme, actually, like melody despite being about, like, a gangster film, a song about drugs or whatever, you know. Not really gangster, but, you know. Um, and, uh, yeah, really creepy. So I think one of the greatest shots in the film is when the un- when the tethered family arrive at the end of their driveway, they're just stood still. And this was in the trailer, wasn't it? You know, the young boy, he says, there's a family in our driveway. They're sort of backlit, so their front is in shadow, and they're just stood absolutely still. And then at the mother's command... They go off, and it's like seeing a big spider in the corner of the room. You're fine with that, but when you lose track of it, all bets are off. <laughs> um, and uh, I, I think actually the main reason why I love this film and these kind of films is I adore foreshadowing, and I love setups and payoffs. So Edgar Wright is the other best example of somebody who you know everything that happens in the first act is going to happen in the third act in some weird way. You know whether that's Shaun of the Dead, he's got red on him from the from his pen. That's going to be blood later on. And all these little things that are dripped in. And the, I've watched a good few video essays and a good few interviews with Jordan Peele and the DVD extras. There's so many Easter eggs and hidden bits of foreshadowing that are in this. Like just a few examples. Uh, you've got things like the the on the boardwalk, the the house of mirrors that the girl goes into. It says, find yourself. Um, when they're walking along, they've got shadows. There's a lot of like reference to mirrors and shadows. Um, a couple of things that are a little more, more subtle as well. So like uh, Gabe, the father, tells his daughter, who's a track and field hopeful, um, that she should run on the sand because when she's she's got an, a disadvantage, it'll make her stronger so that when she's in good conditions, she'll run faster. And then her tethered self is a lot faster than her because she's you know learned to run in much more difficult situation. All these little things. The boy um, puts a little toy truck to pry open a door that he doesn't want, so he doesn't want it stuck in the closet, and then that comes to fruition. There's a great set off, set up, and payoff to absolutely everything, I think. And finally, um, again going back to the music, Jordan Peele said a great thing in an interview, which was often the difference between horror and comedy is the music. And he's right, you know, like you could play something that's odd on scene or unexpected with a <laughs> and it's a comedy thing. You play it with discordant violins and it's creepy as all hell. Uh, have you seen any of those? I think the best one is Mrs. Doubtfire. Uh, yeah, trailer. yeah Mrs. Doubtfire it. as a horror horror film. I'll, maybe I'll put a link on social media to that. Just by playing different music and playing, you know, yeah. overplaying certain things. It and really the, the way they up. edit it together as well with that one makes it look yeah. really scary. And it's so good. I think they use so a few well, shots and from it on our photo as well. Yeah. So to make it look even, yeah. which is a genuine like thriller horror film. So they give it that yeah. much more disturbing feel. But yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Absolutely. So that that's you know, there's a million more things that I like about it that we'll get into. Okay. I think if I was to pinpoint things I didn't like, it's impossible to talk about this film without talking about Get Out. And I think the great thing about Get Out was it had a theme, but it also had a tight plot, and everything was explained within there. And I think this is less neat. The social commentary is maybe over-explained. There's a lot of um, Lupita Nyong'o's tethered self, Red, and there's a lot of her explaining the whole thing more than is needed. And I don't really fully understand the government clone thing. It doesn't really make sense. Uh, so that would be the only thing. And I think one of the things, Hugh, that you might that might have come to mind, because obviously when we did A Quiet Place, it was about suspension of disbelief, people doing stupid things. It is mind-blowing that um, Adelaide, Lupita Nyong'o's character, that she would go back to Santa Cruz at all. You know, they, they, they would move to the opposite coast, I would have thought. So that maybe was one of the things. I didn't notice too many moments where characters did stupid things, but I noticed a, you know, a few things, and I think it's quite possible that could put you off a little bit. So all in all, that's my main things. Um, what we're going to do after the break, we're going to find out if you liked this film. Do you think I will, do you think I will like this film? I think you're going to give this a 7 out of 10. I think you're not going to like it as much as Get Out. Um, basically for those reasons yeah. that I've just given. But I think I think you'll like it more than A Quiet Place. That's my guess. Right, okay. It'd be interesting to we'll find, find out. out. So, yeah, we're going to go for a little, uh, little drinky break. And when we come back, we'll find out Hugh's views. Mm-hmm. 
Hello and welcome back to Please Watch This. We are now ready for Hugh's views. As is custom, Hugh is going to tell us what he liked about this film. So Hugh, break it down. Break it on down. Your bad self. Yeah. Um, so what I really like about this film is Jordan Peele has clearly matured as a horror filmmaker. Like, Get Out is mm. incredible, quite frankly, as a horror film. But this one, yeah. in terms of it's just... Because it's a pure horror film... It's so yeah. uneasy. You're so tense throughout the film. Like you mentioned, that that backlighting and the silhouette and the fear of stillness yeah. as well. Um, yeah, I really like the theme central to this of the like the family as well. Like it's not uh, it's not the the usual young couple in a horrific situation. Right. Live teens. Yeah, yeah. it's nubile footboys. <laughs> yeah, it's um, <laughs> it's a family unit and they're you know, they're in deep trouble, quite frankly. As mm, it turns yeah. out is everyone in this uh, in this film. Which I've Well that's really... kind of the, the great the great horror and gothic and all that, they hit you where you're most vulnerable or most fear and that's Family home, but abroad, that sort of yeah. thing. Yeah, and, you know, it plays on that fear of, are you yourself? You know, that, that body mm. horror, you know, that kind of the body <clears throat> snatchers sort of um, fear of being replaced and being mind-washed or having a different sort of person. Yeah, so I really like that. Uh, Lupita Nyong'o is amazing in this film. She really is, like... Twice, she's yeah. She's just amazing. <laughs> yeah, twice, yeah. She's, yeah. yeah, she's she's obviously the... She is the lead, like, let's not fools about it or anything mm -hmm. like that but it's such a you know she's a bona fide megastar in my opinion uh, she's she is genuinely brilliant and, and it's worth mentioning really the whole family and almost everyone in this film has to play it twice yeah jordan peele said to lupita nyonga uh when when she signed up for it he said just i'll just promise you that you will be really tired <laughs> <laughs> you know because and you know uh, as as the they say that she was in character as red whenever she was on set which is normally really a annoying thing to hear oh yeah they never broke character for three months and they went oh, full jared letter but i imagine it would take a bit of headspace to get yourself into that yeah that kind of mode. and it's that whole the voice that they give her in it as well to to differentiate mm. her from um from adelaide is very well done is that can be that like that can come across as humorous when you're going oh, the girl yeah. was nice things for christmas it's like you can you can be a bit like giggling but because he sets such an amazing tone and a pace and a and a atmosphere you know that's what jordan peele's talent as a film director is is he's incredible at creating atmosphere same as that's what ridley scott can do atmosphere amazingly well as well mm -hmm. that's something yeah peele's He's the he's the Wes Craven of our time, so to speak. You know, he is the well, guy who is the well. hot. He's the inheritor of that mantle. He is the guy who's going to make horror the genre that people enjoy for this. You know, on yeah, screen for these yeah. next ten, fifteen years. I, I'd be surprised if because a lot of horror is shit, isn't it? I mean, <laughs> a lot of a lot of horror is unlike. You know, my opinion on horror, Sam. I'm not a big fan of it. Mm. I do struggle with it, and it. And when you see it done, when you see a, a director do something so, you know, be at the top of their game you appreciate it and especially yeah. uh especially this kind of horror because it is it's a hard premise to pull off i think as well mm, um, yeah because you, you know you've my issue with horror has always been the suspension of disbelief can i suspend my disbelief to enjoy mm -hmm. this film enough and to appreciate it for what it's supposed to be and with jordan peele you can see that he knows what he's doing so even if you're not kind of brought there all the way with it because you might not be able to suspend your disbelief entirely you appreciate the craft if that makes sense yeah a, a bad filmmaker all the holes are really obvious in their films aren't they yeah of course so or it's not even a it's even not i think it's i think the difference between an, an average filmmaker in hollywood and a good filmmaker is style is you can point mm. to the style of a director where a bad filmmaker or a mediocre filmmaker is very generic. They all their films look the same. There's you can't you yeah. can you can see the work and you can appreciate it. And there's a few directors out there, and I'm not gonna name names because these are real people and you know, they make work I've seen and enjoyed, but there's some directors that make films and you go, I wanna see that film based on them, not based on yeah. 
the premise. The story or the star or... Yeah. I think you mentioned before, you know, if a new Tarantino film comes out or a Christopher Nolan yeah. kind of... Well, I don't care what it's about. Yeah, no, <laughs> you know, and now I know, I'm at the point I where like it. if a new Jordan Peele film comes out, I'm like, well, I want to mm. see that. I want to see what he's yeah. doing next. And to segue from you know, comedy see, into horror so sorry, go, go deftly is... You know, you can see his mm. comedy chops out there and that's part of his style in these two films that he's done so far is there is an undercurrent of great humour in them. But yeah, to be able to shift seamlessly, only good directors truly can, um, filmmakers can truly do that sort of tone change. And I do think I do think it's comedians and comics, especially a lot of stand-ups who tend to be incredibly versatile because really that you have to be so smart, I think, to be... A comedy writer, oh, sure. comedian, stand-up, you know, because you've got to be the smartest one in the room. Like, I would never heckle a stand-up, not only because that's fucking awful, <laughs> douchey thing to do, but because <laughs> I don't stand a chance if they fire back, yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah, they've, they're professionally practised, and you're not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And especially a lot of Jordan Peele, especially working on Key and Peele, a lot of his comedy is about race, really. And this film, here's a question for you, is this film about race? It doesn't feel, I mean, I've only seen it the once... And I like you said, the social message in this isn't in your face. So mm. it allows you to interpret the film however which way you want. And it's in, what's interesting is that a lot of people do interpret this as being about race. I think because it's a black family who are the main, which I find really hilarious. If it was a white family, you'd be like, oh, it's just about class and inequality and, and, and these things. Because it's a black family, you're like, well, it's Jordan Peele, it must be talking about racism. Yeah. And it's in, it's it is a bit about racism because it's about inequality and the the haves and the have nots and the haves don't even realise the have nots exist. Yeah, really. In fact, there's a start. There's a uh, a big Twitter thing um, came out today or this week or recently, which was about the lockdown and whether or not people should be allowed to have a cleaner still coming around to their house. And some incredibly waitrosy people were tweeting things like, well, you know, <laughs> I've got all these things to do. The, kill, the the cleaning is killing me. And then somebody said, which was fascinating, they said, well, we're ignoring one of the reasons why most people have cleaners. Most families have cleaners. And I, I nearly had an aneurysm. I was like, what, most families have cleaners? Because in your part of... West London. Surrey <laughs> yeah. or something like, all your friends have cleaners. Most people, Jesus, most people are cleaners. Like, if we're talking about ratios, <laughs> most people are in the cleaner subset than the have a cleaner subset. I think... It really, it really... Bugged me. I mean, from my interpretation, I can only say that with this, race is more of a, I suppose, an ingredient rather than a cause mm. of this social commentary that's embedded within this film is disproportionately people from ethnic minorities are more likely to be yeah. impoverished and you know the the nature of the inequality throughout you know what they call the global north and the global south because of geographically yeah. that's kind of where these sort of reduced incomes exist and you know that's just it, it it's a quirk of of history there's no there's no reason that the reason Western civilization is what it is is just because we here in, not even in, well, in Britain, it was the Industrial Revolution. In Italy in the 15th, 16th, 17th century, it was banking. And in Germany, it's the same thing. Those institutions developed. It's built on exploitation of people in the yeah. Americas. There's no reason why this couldn't have developed in China or, say, in India, but it just happened to develop here. So it becomes a race issue because one one side is more became ascendant quicker in that sort of thing and well, i don't yeah, want to sound like some mad racist because <laughs> i can and it's one of these the it's a genuine question is how did why was it europe that forged ahead and created the industrial revolution you know there's coal in china there was learning in the middle east and india you know mm. they can kind of pointedly go well maybe in america they didn't have iron working so that's held them back but what on eurasia as it's called in africa why didn't they have that? Why was it this part of the world that got the head start? Yeah, and uh, especially, um, you know, all that really has to happen is you have one little advantage or you're, you've got no morals at all as a people and then you get that, um, you know. And there's people who are now kind of like, well, you know, we've we've got equal rights and so on, so 
can people stop talking about you know legacy issues and well black people should just be as rich as white people because there's it's all legal it's like well like two generations ago they they were being hosed down by police and stuff <laughs> anyway that's a whole i think i think that what's great about this film in terms of race is uh, there's a bit of nuance that i've not really seen in that you've got this goofy dad who in any other film by almost any other filmmaker would be a white guy he's like a, he, Winston Duke who plays the father he makes some great uh, dad jokes he, doesn't he <laughs> at the beginning that's it he's a <laughs> dorky goofy he said in his words all American dad yeah he is you yeah. know and, and what's what's really good and we'll get into we'll probably we'll, I'll, I'll spoil it a bit now but we'll get into in favourite scenes he, when he first sees the family mm. at the driveway he's like uh, he's got his like fists on his sides he's like mm, can I help you it's almost like Richard Pryor's impression of a white man <laughs> you know you peck her head he's like really polite and Ned Flanders and then when he realises they're not going he goes out like if you all want to get crazy we can get crazy <laughs> you know he puts on this different code yeah. and, uh, and I, you know we, we, we all got that to some extent if um if I if I'm in a certain situation, I might go a bit more northern and a bit more a bit more Jews. A bit, hey, what's um, happening you know, like, here? What are you doing? What's this uh, all about? <laughs> yeah, I remember seeing um, a pizza delivery guy being accosted by some youths who wanted his pizza, and I went, "Lads, I think you believe you best believe in now." <laughs> I was basically channeling Juicy, you know, who we've had on a previous show, and they and it, it, it worked. <laughs> Lads, <laughs> no, no, I've not heard this story before. Basically, put a flat cap on and got a whip it out. You know, and, um, <laughs> sorry, I didn't. I didn't whip it out to some means. Nearly got. I should have got to whip it. That's a, com- uh, that's a dog. Space out. <laughs> it's a dog that's coming in the Yorkshire. Sorry, so, that really tickles yeah, me because you're like the most. You know, they're just you're not a violent person. I've never. No, you've not, so I have you even ever been in a fight? <laughs> mm, I've been sort of parallel to fights. <laughs> so no, I've been near a fight. No. I watched it on. I watched boxing I really, like, on TV once. <laughs> <laughs> there was a fight outside a club. It seemed to be between dozens of different people, and I was like, "Oh, I'm in a fight now." I squared up against the guy, and I thought, "This is where I'm supposed to punch him or something." And I, I, instead, I just like. Just walked away. <laughs> I was like, oh no, it's not in me. <laughs> I looked for it, couldn't find it. But you know, that, that's all you've got to convey is that if you all want to get crazy, we get crazy. You know, and and, and that's it. Like he's got a code to go to, and he's been this dorky all American dad. But then I got five on it comes on, and he's like, he's got that. You know, they've got that great duality. Yeah, great music in this as well. Uh, with we've got five yeah. on it, and they flew us at the end, uh, which is really good. I enjoyed that. Um, so I think we need to get into what I didn't like about this one. Okay. So is it a long list or is it one big uh, killer blow? It's a it's a it's a doozy. Go on. Yeah, you know what's the uh, saying from Toy Story where uh, Buzz Lightyear stands next to Woody and you know the memes like idiots everywhere. So for this one, it's <laughs> instead of idiots, it's plot holes everywhere. Okay. Right. There's, okay. Yeah. Give it some. There's a lot of plot. I, there's so many plot holes in this film. That I couldn't begin to. What are the what What were the ones that you noticed while you were watching it that ruined it for um, you? Like the earliest so, ones, the biggest ones. Let's be honest. The biggest spoiler of this film. So it turns out the character of Adelaide, who you think is the normal human, that's not the clone, mm-hmm. is the clone. It alludes to it a lot throughout yeah. the film, but then they kind of there, there is a good misdirect with it. I won't I won't lie and say that I was like, well, she's clearly the clone. They've clearly swapped her. Um, they, you know, they go to yeah. the pains to be like, oh, I just ran it. She tells a story saying I ran away um, because it's quite, it's a worn trope, isn't it? You know, they change over one being the other. And the child is, she's silent for a while and she, they just think it's post-traumatic yeah. stress and all that. And so they, they, they try and definitely misdirect you and and it worked. But then when you look at it and you go and you think over it in your mind's eye, you go, well, there's lots of moments where they're together alone. And there'd be no reason mm. for this character who she's very, you know, she's very feisty. She kills that, um, the clone of uh, one of the twins, I think it is. Yeah. And, you know, she gets very aggressive and violent there. And her son walks in and she kind of has to, she almost, she throws the weapon away as if to go, oh, don't see me doing this. You know, don't yeah. reveal my true nature. But there's plenty of time when they're together alone and it'd be like, 
why would why would Red monologue to her in the classroom about her life? And she'd be like, yes, I know. <laughs> I was here for eight years yeah. as a child. I'm very aware of what's going on here. So there's that. that's a bit silly. Mm. Um, and then that, that it just builds upon from there. You know, the, it says that the... Um, that the experiment was shut down and they were kind of left to go mad, these clones. So how are they still having children? I know it's kind of half explained by saying, oh, well, because you were on the... Uh, well, yeah, let's get into that plot hole as well. This, So it establishes that the people in the underworld, let's just use those labels, they're kind yeah. of like, and it says like they're being, they're the puppets to the people on the above worlds of kind of movement so it goes to great yeah. pains to show that scene from the beginning in the underworld it you know it does like a mirror image shot for shot as it goes through where they're all kind of mm. moving the same but in sort of dis discombobulated ways it's not quite as smooth as the above world yeah which i really yeah, like yeah. and it's so unsettling but it's it's like so if red was able to control the clone wouldn't she just do that why why does she go to all this length to torture her abductee, essentially, essentially? It's a really good... I think it's a really good point. I think... I think maybe they're only... They're only they're only really tethered. Now, you're right, it is inconsistent, uh, which I'll get into, but it seems almost like they're only really tethered when they're in the underworld. Um, yeah, but then... And they, but she does well, they, say that they, they saw I was special, you know, yeah, that I but, was like the chosen but one. Then they, because she's but not but a, then they're she's not instantly not tethered and they can plan... But then they're not... Yeah, I think you're right, and I think that's that's maybe. I don't think you're right, and it didn't take me out of it. I think it's because it's more like it feels more like they're destined to live out that same life, even if it's not, you know, atom by atom, moment by moment. That's I think that is one of the big flaws of the film. Actually, one of the things that I think elevates Get Out above this is because that whole, the whole mumbo jumbo of the film isn't explained well enough yeah and it has to whilst also being explained too much in in dialogue in the film yeah and and then you start thinking about it more and stuff like like obviously like the kids not being um like how are they born are they just like drawn to each other like you said um what else have you got (sighs) yeah it's like so why does the mimicking only work with some of them as well like why can Mm. uh jason's clone Pluto why does he mimic him but um, uh, the girl's uh, what she calls Zara's uh, clone doesn't do any mimicking there at all it, it, when they're when they're above yeah, or when, when they're, they're above ground yeah so again I think I think the, it's more it seems more with Jason and Pluto like Pluto's intrigued by Jason uh, in that moment I don't think he's mimic because he's not doing every single thing that Jason's doing is he I do, no. I do think... But he does walk either, back into the flames, like, free of will, because he's so entranced yeah, that in, was the, weird. in the the desire to... Or the, the tethering. Maybe he needs to yeah. tether himself, maybe. I'm, I'm having to... It feels like they've got more of a bond than... sorry. But you're right, there's a lot more that needs to be explained. And I think that's maybe one of the big differences in between how we see a lot of horror films that it's definitely affected your enjoyment of it whereas for me I didn't I either didn't pick up on it or think about it hard. I think that's maybe the difference I didn't really think about it yeah um, whereas you did do you think you'd have done that if it wasn't for you didn't have to do this for the show it was more just you were just watching it um, I was disappointed casually. with the swap if I'm being honest mm. I think it was like I said I didn't think at the first oh well they've clearly swapped and then they make her look normal and she speaks normally and she's got a family and kids and everything's nice and yeah. normal and she seems like a normal person with a few kind of weird interactions where she says oh I'm not good at small talk and things like that yeah. so I, I I think it was it would have been better if I don't know if something had happened to her but it wasn't just a straight swap Maybe I don't know. I I don't want to rewrite. See, plots I love I love the swap. Do you? And I, I and I think one of the reasons why I love it is because um, I've now seen it two or three times, mm. and it 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 um, rewards repeat viewing because and and it seems like you know you you're you're able to retrospectively go back and and see that. But yeah, things like saying I'm not very good at small talk and really the when I watched it again, uh, I think I've seen it three times now. Uh, when I watched it again, kind of 
when her parents, when Adelaide's parents are talking about her, like, I just want my girl back. All these great things are foreshadowing, but also, yeah, this is probably how Red or the Untethered would act if she's just... Yes, there was was somebody else who pointed out as well that a lot of the scenes you see it from um, Adelaide's perspective, but it's actually Red's... Well, it's Adelaide, the clone's perspective. And you're like, well, why would she have memories of things she didn't do? And then why would uh, Adelaide, the original Adelaide, why would she be dancing? So is is the explanation there that once you're in this underground place, you're tethered to the person above? And you can explain it away with that, but... She, you know, the question is, well, why won't she just leave and escape as soon? Because she clearly escapes the uh, the bonds that she's been putting, the handcuffs she's put in. I do yeah. like the fact that she makes her put handcuffs on, and then you go realize, oh well, she's doing that because it she did. She can't her. just run away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's a it's. I think you're absolutely right, and I think it is something that that I didn't care about, but I think is a legitimate problem. Yeah, and it's because it's such a. It's not a very neat concept because it is a thematic, you know, thing rather than a sci-fi. Ooh, wouldn't but it be bad if this happened? Is it though? Because this is it. This is where maybe the film falls down a little bit for me. Is because their their social commentary is so subtle, unlike in Get Out, that you can't just use that. Well, it's a metaphor to explain bad writing away. Is it subtle? I, I feel like this is yeah, this is lot, hitting you over the head I even more it, than that. Nah, it's far more subtle than Get Out. Hmm. Yeah. I think maybe it's more ambiguous than Get Out, but in in both films there's kind of scenes where characters are talking to each other about, and this is the theme of the film, or this is why this is happening. Um, yeah. So yes. Yeah, I don't know. So I, I feel like it it lost its um, suspension of disbelief once they swapped them around. If they'd kept, if they'd not swapped them around, I think it would have been better because her actions make sense when they stay the way they are. Mm. Because you, you could just... well, uh, yeah, maybe it might take another rewatch or something. But yeah. I think it added a lot, and and it really does come. Yeah, it comes down to does it affect you? So was it was it while you were watching it? some of these plot holes occurred and you just kind of lost your libido for watching it or was it is it is it in refle- is it on reflection at what point does this affect your enjoyment of the film it was in the last maybe five minutes I was like oh so that's when you get the reveal I was like you're watching the credits and you're like oh something doesn't sit right here and it's I don't know what mm. it is and then you it was more after I was watching it I was trying to figure out you know, because then you start replaying it all in your mind and trying to f- see where these things would have made sense and not made sense. Yeah. And yeah, just little bits and pieces that it just didn't work in the end. So I think with this film, the first hour of it is very good. It's very solid. It's mm. a very good film. It's a home invasion film. You, you've the genuine fear. You know, I love the bit on the. Um, you know, I think let's shall we move seamlessly into favorite scenes and I'll. Seamlessly, let's do yeah, it. Yeah, seamlessly. Because I'm going to talk Seam- about the seamlessly and scenefully. Cause yeah, because I'm going to talk about a bit of the sea. So the bit where he, um, where thingy's fighting, the dad's fighting his clone in the water. That bit's really great. I really enjoy that fight. And he's like, he bangs the uh, <laughs> he bangs the the motor, the uh, outboard motor. Yeah. To, to I had to rewind it to. Yeah, I did. As well. I thought, oh yeah, that's probably what he did. But it happened so quickly. I thought. That, Mm, yeah. yeah, I didn't that quite catch it either the first time, and so I went back and watched it. Um, I really enjoyed yeah. that bit. Uh, my favourite scene, though, and this might be yours, is the living room scene where Red explains basically what mm. they are, who they are, and what's happening, and just that monologue she gives where she's got the you hear the voice and just oh, it's so creepy. <laughs> it's so well done. Yeah, yeah. connected. It's, there's just a great use of fricative yeah. uh, sounds in that you know. What about? Yeah, that is a great scene. My, mine immediately precedes that, and it's the arrival of the tethered. So it kind of plays into that kind of the the, the both how scary it is when they're at the top of the driveway, and how funny it is when Gabe changes codes <laughs> <laughs> to being his Ned Flanders to being straight out of Compton. You know? <laughs> um, yeah, what have I put here? Um, the other scene that I really liked. It gets a bit. It did get a bit. Um, what's the word? Um, 
ah, oh, crikey, like style of, you know, when they're doing the ballet scene, essentially. To, um, mm, the pas de deux. Yeah, it becomes a bit uh, avant-garde, is the word I'm looking for. Yeah. Yeah, where yeah. she's kind of like avoiding her trying to strike, when she's trying to strike her with the poker, and she's like replicating the ballet movements that she learnt from her, because it wouldn't have been her who learnt to ballet, but she was tethered to her, so she then learnt it through her, which is a nice idea. And what's great is, uh, another like there's, there's so many great video essays, <clears throat> I might link some on social media for this, for this film and a lot of them you don't really catch explicitly but in that they're they're far away in the shadows and he's it looks like she's literally fighting her shadow uh, which is quite oh, cool yeah, but you're right. there, there are like a scene like that it does it does move away from reality to be more just this is what looks good in this film in this moment kind of yeah that is uh, so you didn't like no that. I did like that I, that was one of my oh you yeah. did oh you did like yeah is as as yeah because as abstract as it becomes it's still visually it's it's a it's an amazing bit of cinema i really like i said it's with this film it oh it, it could have been so much it should have been it could have been a great film it could have been up there we get mm. out it, it and it and this is why i said at the beginning this is why i asked you like your anticipation for this film and i talked about mm. the the time it had for them to make it from get out ending to this being produced is I think that time scale you can kind of almost see the that they maybe could have worked on the ideas a bit better like they've got a solid I premise see. they've got they're going for yeah. home invasion slash body horror slash you know um, cloning slash sort of mind control government interference class and all this kind of malarkey um, well it's not malarkey it's the themes of the film and then they just, I think their last act, they just, because there's a, there's a clear break, I think, between the first hour and the second hour, a bit like last week in The Wind That Shakes the Barley, you know, there's there's one mm. half that's very clear and evident what it's trying to be, and then the second half isn't as strong as the first half, which, yeah, I, with, with The Wind That Shakes the Barley, obviously they're following a historical narrative, so they yeah. can, it, just that, to the audience, the way it came across was... Well, that was the more in the edit. That was the more exciting bit, and unfortunately, they didn't quite yeah. deliver on the the Cain and Abel kind of political ideology sort of stances as well as they could have done. Um, mm. But yeah, so but there is some there's some nice scenes in it. Well, I'd say nice. There's some thrilling scenes in it. Uh, <laughs> Effective scenes. Yeah, yeah, like the bit. No, there's a lot of there's a lot of great things. I, yeah, I love the fight between Gabe and, and Abraham, and I love. I love Zora whenever she's kind of badass when she's killing the twins or almost killing the twins. <laughs> yeah I like the way on that um, scene when she hits her with the putter and you hear her go over the side and in mm. other films they would show her landing on the coffee table but you just hear it yeah, <laughs> yeah. you just know yeah. she's and there and then you just see her and then there's later yeah, on when they're sat around the um, they're actually sat around <laughs> the coffee table but it's shot from chest height and then they, yeah, they do a low then, angle then shot. <laughs> <laughs> and she's just flayed out on this coffee table. <laughs> They've practically got her feet up on her. Yeah, yeah. They're desensitized already to it all. Yeah. So, that's any other favorite lines then? Yeah, favorite line. So, um, I went with look, it's easy to, like, I would say that whole speech that Red gives is probably like the best bit of dialogue, the two that she does. Uh, but I'm not going to sit and repeat them here. If you want to listen to them, go and watch the film again. Um, yeah. quite frankly so I've just t- taken a couple of snippets that I liked which is uh, Gabe says they've been planning this they have the upper hand uh, sorry this isn't what Gabe says it's um, Adelaide to Gabe she goes Gabe they've been planning this they've had the upper hand this is the time to run not to be sprinkling micro machines on the floor <laughs> which, <laughs> yeah my, my favourite line actually came from that where she says tell me you didn't just reference Home Alone yeah because you know he's got a really good point and she's got a really good point which is why they leave that yeah it's it's like in a lot of uh, post-apocalyptic zombie movies they're always on the run somewhere but they could be in the perfect setting they could be in the uh, the Winchester yeah. <laughs> and they decide well we need to go somewhere else but you know they're out by the water they've got a boat they mm. you know they're well well stocked. and then I suppose that comes um, back again to maybe like the plot holes with this film is how is it that the tethered know exactly what the pe- the above ground people are doing and have this intimate kind of knowledge of what they're they're going to do, but yet the others have the, they have no sense of this at all except for Jason. Yeah, at the and end. especially because because 
our our Adelaide, even though she's the she's really the clone. Yeah, she never knows where Red is. Yeah. Um I I get that. For, like I say, for me, it didn't ruin it, but maybe there's just a little extra bit of the mythology mumbo jumbo that needs if it was explained or if it was but then but then how long do you need those dialogue scenes to be of like for me it was effective enough just with what we heard maybe maybe for others it, we needed more explanation yeah i must admit i don't think this film was littered with great lines i did struggle to find a great quotes to pull out of it almost all my but favorite like, lines were from gabe really and they were almost all my favorite lines were funny yeah actually uh, rather than being deep and meaningful. The other one I picked was when Kitty goes, Ophelia, call the police. Ophelia, okay. Playing <laughs> Fuck the Police by NWA. <laughs> because again, what's really funny is that's a really funny thing. It adds a certain amount to that scene. And there's exactly what would plenty happen. of social commentary in that song. <laughs> and it is exactly... And I did think... And I, I didn't want to test it. I did want to ask our certain Amazon uh, Alexa. thing... Uh, <laughs> I've got the earphones in, so she won't be able to hear you. Um, but yeah, I thought if I just literally said, call the police, would they, you know... How Give it, it a try now. Because that might be all I'm... I don't want to try. Go on. <laughs> They're not busy at the I'm minute really worried anyway. that the police will come. No, they won't. I'm really worried the police Probably will come. hundred times a day. Um, at least you've got a reason. <laughs> Do you see like? if, oh, you, see if you ask Alexa to play Fuck the Police by NWA and see if the police actually come in the reverse. <laughs> you know... Could happen. Could happen. Any other lines then, Summer? I think you're right. I think it's not about having snappy lines, but the, the, there are plenty of funny ones. Plenty of funny ones, and I think a really good choice for the for the trailer was there's a family in our driveway. It's a bit like poltergeist, and they're here, you know, and and it's it's really creepy. Oh yeah. I think was there an advert? What was? It? I don't even know what the product was, but I'm sure there was an advert advert recently where it was. Very similar. It was like somebody would say, there's some people in our living room and go in and there'd be people stood there with lampshades on their heads. And then they'd start dancing and it turns out it's one of those kooky adverts that Karen's are supposed to share or something. <laughs> Sorry, can I just ask, <laughs> are you high? <laughs> Did you dream this? <laughs> yes, <laughs> this is a separate matter. Um, and I think I think in the moment, my, the funniest line, apart from the Home Alone Micro Machines one was the one I've said a couple of times which is if you want to get crazy we can get crazy that was just really good fair enough uh, yeah absolutely so done scenes and done lines would I recommend this um, film any more yeah absolutely would you recommend this film here to people who enjoy horrors films I would who haven't seen it I would definitely recommend it um, mm-hmm. it's Jordan Peele is so good at what he does even yeah the the, the criticisms aside it I wasn't I was never like you said I never, maybe apart from uh, Adelaide, I never questioned any of the motivations of the of the characters, um, except good. for well, actually no, except for when um, Kitty's clone cuts herself on the cheek. Oh, it's the pl- it's the plastic surgery thing. Because her, because the yeah, Kitty's had plastic surgery. So she's trying to. What's really interesting is yeah. she's got she's got a scar. Yeah, I saw that, and it's a gruesome scar. So it's almost like she's had a really well, the obvious the obvious. Uh, explanation is she's had a really gruesome bit of plastic surgery mm. in the uh, in the underworld. Yeah. Well, we're gonna have a little break. When we come back, we're gonna hear critics' uh, reviews. We're gonna hear Hugh's rating, and we'll uh, get a bit of social media coverage, and then uh, a little quiz. So join us after the break. Hello and welcome back. So we are. Just in time to hear a little bit of critical response. Now, um, it was quite conflicted, but Hang on, I just need positive. to get my uh, pipe so I can sit around my uh, <laughs> sit around my fireplace, going. Hmm, yes, I, I agree with yeah. that uh, analysis of uh, this film. On the one hand, the themes worked. On the other hand, didn't really work for me. Um, so, eighty-one percent on Metacritic, which is a very strong score, but it was you know a bit bit uh, bit conflicted. We like to go to RoderEbert.com, and Monica Castillo was right, wrote a really fantastic review for this. Four out of four um, stars. Big, 
Um, said some great things, and this is uh, something I really liked from that review. This delightfully deranged home invasion family horror film works because Peel not only knows how to tell his story, he assembled an incredible cast to play two roles, which I think is, you know, especially two child actors at least or more. Uh, I think they did a fantastic job. It's one of the most poignant analogies of class in America to come out in a studio film in recent memory. And it is, I love a film that is just good on its own merits, but actually is also got you know thematically very strong yeah which sometimes horror traditionally maybe doesn't delve into it kind of is more interested in mm. telling the the story if that makes sense and yeah uh, like uh, don't have sex because you'll die and uh, be be uh, a good virgin and you'll live yeah. <laughs> and all that sort I like of stuff. the kind of the inversion of the trope of the kind of, you know this family, the rich family, are kind of they're they're not nice people, <laughs> and they die and they get viciously <laughs> murdered quite quickly. Although that did make yeah. again question it's why do so why do uh, Red's family take their time trying to kill them, but everyone else just gets straight up murdered within two seconds of them meeting their their others? Their well, I think the the obvious answer is because Red is Adelaide, isn't yeah, she? That's what I thought. A less than complimentary review was by Richard Lawson in Vanity Fair. There wasn't actually a rating on the thing, but as Metacritic often does, it kind of assigned it a rating, and it was somewhere in the 30s or 40s. He starts by comparing it to Magnolia, which I know you've not seen, but Magnolia was Paul Thomas Anderson's follow-up to Boogie Nights. Mm-hmm. Um, he kind of compared it because it was a higher-budget follow-up to a you know critically acclaimed breakthrough film. Um, but he says, Only Magnolia made engaging, legible art enough legible enough art out of its abundance us on the other hand is a frustrating movie oddly inert despite all its thrashing it's a jumble of fascinating threads that peel fails to weave together it's what you might call a junk draw movie a collage of bits and bobs that have cluttered peel's brilliant mind for long enough that he thought he might try to synthesize them all into one movie and he's complimentary there about jordan peel clearly he, he respects his ability and talent and all that sort of stuff but I, i'm not i'm not 100 percent with him there on the collage of bits and bobs. Do you know what? I, I, can see where, I, actually, I can see where he's coming from, yeah. Yeah, yeah I can. I, I agree that it, this is a good film. And I waver towards that over it being a bad film. But I can also... I can, whilst I might not 100% agree with... Sorry, what was the name of the critic there? Uh, that was Richard Lawson. Richard, I might not agree Vanity with Fair. Richard Lawson, but I would definitely... I can see his point. A lot of the time yeah. when we get the... It is a less coherent... It's a less coherent mythology or world build than Get Out, let's say, isn't it? It seems that way, doesn't it? Yeah. So I think maybe that's all it needed was just a little bit more explanation of, of exactly the mechanics of this tethered thing. Um, bit of social media response. Then we got lots and lots of... Uh, about 50 different comments. Lots of different reactions to it on a, on a Facebook post. Um, really, really mixed. Really mixed. The consensus from about I'd say 80% of people is that so I asked the question which is better this or Get Out and what did people think of this film got a lot of, got a lot of response this to be fair yeah quite a lot most people said that Get Out is better but Us is still strong hmm. um, uh, on, and there was a lot of really interesting takes on this so uh, I think one one comment that really picked up on that common feeling was from Sidant uh, Gildial and they said that Us is a better horror than Get Out Get Out is a better movie than us. I would agree with that. Yeah, and I think that is probably the the best feeling. The worst take uh, that I found from the from the response uh, goes to Mark Walkers. Uh, I found the performances overall pretty middling. Nothing noteworthy about the shot composition or score either. The intricacy of the racial commentary is undercut by the mediocrity of the rest of the film, but nonetheless is thought-provoking. And really it was the... Shot compositions, score, and performances, I really can't get on board I'm with that at all. I'm not convinced with the shot compositions at all. Uh, I think they're yeah. really well made. There's one that's, they do that, they try and do that thing where you've got two uh, objects in focus and one's in the foreground yeah. and one's in the background, and there's always a blurring, and it was kind of right in the middle of the screen, and it didn't quite work, but it's not the. It, it, the thing with bad shot focus or bad shot composition is it takes you out of the the emotion of the scene or the the prescience of it. Where in this situation, yeah. I noticed it, but I didn't feel it overtly destroyed that sense of tension that it was creating and what they were trying. What to was do. really interesting about that scene? So talking about Adelaide and Red when they're talking in the in the in the tethered zone in the underworld. What was really interesting when I looked into it was that it was they're both in focus, so there's no kind of. Um, 
seniority or superiority you know they're both in focus which I thought it was an interesting one time shot but um, Steve Hanrahan as well uh, said great premise that was completely sidelined in favour of generic home invasion shit the entire second act felt like I was watching a bad purge knockoff well I've only seen the first purge and I'm not a big fan of the purge (laughs) No, nor am I. But they don't spend that long on the home invasion, really. It's like, it, it's That's not what, the... 40 minutes in total, if that. Maybe half an hour. Yeah, between the two different homes. Yeah. And then, I'd, I'd, yeah, so that so those were takes I didn't agree with. Um, the best take, I thought, was from Finn Nicholas. Uh, so this is it's very objective. I don't think there's such a thing as, you know, objective film criticism. So it's very subjective, I should say. Uh, but in my opinion, Finn Nicholas uh, got it right. He said, I think Us is both scarier and funnier than Get Out, but Get Out is much tighter. Us is also shot by Mike Gulakis, who's an incredible cine- cinematographer. I love what Us is trying to say, even though I get the argument that it doesn't really stick the landing. Basically, I think Us rules. And I, I completely agree. I remember watching the film, really, really enjoying it, feeling all the right feelings about it, and then at the end being somewhat underwhelmed. Maybe maybe underwhelmed by how good I thought the film was ramping up to be. Hmm. And I don't mean that the ending is weak, or I don't know quite what I mean by that, but it basically wasn't as tight and and perfect as Get Out. Yeah. Yeah, it's not as tight, is it? It's, um, but then maybe no. that's because there's more characters to follow, perhaps, and they try and yeah. Give... And also, get out. It's a much easier. It's a much easier, yeah. Like concept. Isn't yeah. It? Once you know what he's trying to, you know, once you know what's happening, it's it's very much run and run as fast as you can, sort of thing, or, and trying to. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But uh, it's really just simple that people are using. Well, spoiler alert: if you haven't seen Get Out, but if you listen to this, you probably have very simple concept that they're these white people are wanting black people's bodies as vessels because they're mm. fitter and stronger and cooler and all that sort of stuff like that doesn't take much more explaining other than they've got to you know swap brains basically so yeah um th- that was most of the i mean there was some absolute shit takes about say the person's name they say jordan peele is a meme both movies are shit and uh, i think i just think they're wrong they are yeah i think that is objectively true so hugh what i need to know from you is uh how many pyromaniac children would you give this film out of 10 i've struggled with this one Mm because it's not as good as good at get out and i can't remember what rating i gave get out was did i give get out i think you're gonna give this i think you give it an eight i think you're gonna give this a seven i've got to say a six yeah. Is it better than A Quiet Place? No. No, it's not, is it? Mm. Do you think it's better than A Quiet Place? I think you gave that a six. I gave, did uh, I give that a seven? I think, you were, I think you might give it a six. Okay. Yeah, I think they're... Well, then, based on that, they're... I th- if we were to go to, say, out of 100, this is probably like... For the first hour, it's like a 67, 68. But... I don't know. I'd like to rate, almost like to rate it in two parts. I'd like to rate it based on how well as a horror film it is, and as a horror film, it's a really great horror film. But again, mm. that suspension of disbelief and it being concluded in a in a way that makes sense and that keeps you in it for the whole runtime. That's where the six kind of brings it down, or the, that's where I come yeah. to the conclusion. So maybe I end up like saying a four or. A three almost because of that really let me down wow. so then I average out like a six maybe seven I don't know where I yeah. sit with it because I really enjoyed the first hour a lot it is difficult that yeah if, if a film is perfect for an hour and yeah. then shite for an hour which isn't this but you know if it's that that yeah there's almost two scores yeah. so somewhere in the six realm yeah yeah so I, I do think soon we'll probably start um, start giving percentage ratings but that's to be discussed later yeah. Are you ready for a quiz? As as ready as I'll ever be, Sam. Fantastic. Um, I'll have to change one of the questions because we've given the answer, but you know we we live and learn. Question one: What Bible verse makes several appearance in this it, film? Isaiah eleven eleven, I think it is. Jeremiah, you've got the number Jeremiah, right. Jeremiah, Isaiah. Fantastic. Would you like to hear what that Bible verse says? 
Of course you would. Um, it says, therefore, <laughs> this right is what the then. Lord says. <laughs> therefore, this is what the Lord says. I will bring on them a disaster they cannot escape. Although they cry out to me, I will not listen to them. Um, I think it's just in the film because 1111 is palindromic. Um, but, you know, people love to read into Bible verses. Question two. In what year was Red initially kidnapped? 1986. Very good. Uh, so question three, I'll, I'll ask it anyway, even though we've said it. So listener, maybe if you weren't paying attention to something, you can challenge yourself with this. What's the film's, what's the name of the film's equivalent to Alexa? Oh, it's Ophelia. Ophelia. Very good. I wonder if that's because, I bet that's four. one of those situations where like they asked Amazon or what's the Google one called? Because is that, because Amazon's Alexa. Uh, what's the Google one called? I can't remember. I can't remember. I think you just say, okay, Google. Uh, okay. I don't know what it's called. Or is well, it Cortana? It's, maybe it's that, but also... Cortana? That's Microsoft, isn't it? I have no idea. Yeah. But I think also, they're not... It, it's a new technology, that, or, you know, it's a rich person's technology and stuff in this film. That's not... Anyway, yeah. Anyway, you're right, it's Ophelia. Question four, which university did Gabe attend? Howard University. Good, well spotted. Question five, what's the name of the family boat? The... Oh, something Croft, something. Crawking. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> You're very close. Craw something, and King is on the right lines. Oh, I can't remember. Oh, I want to get this. I want to get five out of five. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I read it a few times as well. Oh, no. Um, Craw. Oh, I can't remember. Craw Daddy. Ugh. Damn it. <laughs> and also, to replace question for, uh, three, which we already covered, which was Ophelia, as, as always, I'm re-watching it. There, something came up that would be a good question. What's the name of the um, House of Mirrors that she goes into? What, at the beginning or at the end? Both times. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, one's like... I can't remember, to be honest with you, off the top of my head. Don't they have, don't they have the same name? No, it, they change, it's the it one changes the names. It go, it, so it right, starts off like the Indian Dream Hut, and then apparently it turns into like oh, true, Merlin's yeah. Cave or something like that. I don't know. You're really close. Merlin's Forest. Forest. Very good. Very good. So I reckon I can give you four and a half out of five there. There's a bonus question as well, because it's not in the film, but you might have read about it or you might have picked up on it. What film were they supposedly filming in Santa Cruz? Oh, it's Lost Boys. Lost Boys. Have you seen that film? Oh, right. That's going right onto the list. Excuse me for four minutes while I just add that to the list. So, I while love you that add film. that to the list, I will answer the next question you were going to ask. So, what did I get there? I got four out of five, essentially, didn't I? Just about, yeah. yeah. And then the bonus new questions I, couldn't, I didn't get. Um, so... In response to the question you normally ask, would I recommend this to... Oh, no, I've already answered it. I've already mm. said I'd recommend it to people. You've already answered so, that. Oh, yeah. You'd recommend it to horror fans, but not to... Maybe uh, not to everyone else. To everybody. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think I'm not surprised, but not annoyed. Yeah. I think I've got a lot of sympathy for your, for your review there, and I, I struggle to argue against it's, what you're it, saying. It's one of those, I think, where if it was made by somebody else, I'd, I'd probably give it less... I'd probably give it less slack. I think it's because you can see that it's so well polished and it's so well made and the performances mm. are really good in it that you can't it, it's hard I don't dislike this film I'm just I just wish it had a tighter second half and I wish it made a bit yeah. more sense I almost I quite like exactly. the fact that it's it kind of shifts gear a little bit to, it's not just oh it's them specifically that have these crazy jump red boiler suit scissor wielding maniacs coming after them it's mm-hmm. it's everyone in America because of some weird yeah. government control scheme thing that didn't come to fruition, but it did at the same time. Yeah. On that subject, actually, uh, or related subject, I think my least favourite line from the film, On Reflection, is a line that I enjoyed when I first watched it, but On Reflection, thinking about how heavy-handed or on-the-nose some of the social commentary could be, one of my least favourite lines is when Gabe asks the, the tethered family, who are you? Who are you yeah. people? And she says, we're Americans. And I thought, uh, I liked it in the moment when I first watched it, but I'm a bit kind of like spelling out the metaphor uh, a bit too much, I thought. 
a little yeah. bit. Message. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, Do good. I'd like to say, thoughts? I'm not. Final thoughts. Uh, I like, like I said, there's lots of good video essays on this, and I will link some. One that I'd really want you to watch is one that kind of um, shows all of the all of the reflections and symmetries in the film. It's really, really well put together and really well edited. Uh, so, listener, I would I'll link that in social media, and I recommend you watch it as well. And I think it's a, what I most like about this film is it's it keeps on giving, on reviewing, and on analyzing whereas a lot of films they're made to just be enjoyed yeah in the moment yeah fair enough how about yourself any any further facts thoughts feelings um no that's i've pretty much said everything i want to say about it this week maybe uh marvelous maybe maybe in weeks to come i might have uh, different opinions but right now i feel like yeah that's how i feel about this film I think reasonable. I think there's not much to, to take umbrage with there. The big question though is, what are we going to watch next week? So next week we're going to have we're going to have a bit of a palate cleanser, I think, in terms because <laughs> we've had some pretty heavy films and scary films. Yeah, and it's been a bit of a uh, rough ride recently, you know, with the wind that shakes the barley. <laughs> I know Sightseers was a comedy, but it was very much a black comedy and very dark. You know, yeah. it was very there was some interesting stuff in there. So we're gonna go for the nineteen eighty seven Arnold Schwarzenegger classic that is Predator. Sam Predator, I'd never seen it before. First of all, how come you've never seen this film before? I honestly don't know. We we grew up watching a lot of Arnie films and action films from that era. I don't know how it's happened. We just didn't own that VHS is the best explanation. It was I can on give. ITV about twice a year <laughs> that's how I saw it um, so I'm not going to bother doing the usual trope of going well what do you know about it because I'm sure you know loads about it mm. we've seen bits and pieces in cultural, culturally in other places over the years I saw a 20 minute um, fantastic video essay saying why the first one is better than the reboot so I've seen most frames from the film actually <laughs> and I kind of know almost everything. Fair enough. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm fully expecting to really love this film. We're, we're essentially just doing you a public good, aren't we, next week? This is, Bringing that's you what to, this podcast is. to scratch with. Yeah. with uh, this podcast is a, is a celebration of gaps in our viewing history. Indeed, indeed. And then an intention to plug them. Well, Sam. <laughs> so, Hugh, if they want to get in touch with us and tell us their explanation for the plot holes how might they or, or maybe I'll tell you what what would be better if they want to get in touch with us and tell us about what they love about Predator how can they do that well if they want to get in touch with us and tell us how much they love Predator what they need to do is watch us because in <laughs> us there will be an explanation of how to get in touch with us so what they need to do is they need to become clones which you know are obviously part of some big government experiment and whilst they're in those facilities try and see if they can get access to the internet there and they can email us that way right so they just need to keep drinking the fluoride in the drinking exactly, water exactly yeah to control our yeah, brains yeah understood they can get in touch with us at pleasewatchthis.pod at gmail.com fantastic Socially speaking, media-wise, they can also get in touch with us on Twitter at Please Watch Pod. We're on Facebook at Please Watch Pod, and I'm delighted to say, as we announced earlier, that we now have a blog. You can contact us through there, or you can just enjoy that blog. Um, we are pleasewatchthis.wordpress.com. We're too tight to fork out the fifteen pounds a year for it not to have the word WordPress in that domain name. I don't think it affects the quality. I'll be honest. <laughs> so yeah, we look forward to your correspondence. We are from Yorkshire. Uh, that's all I've got to say, Hugh. Absolutely. Ah, much. (laughs) (laughs) So all that remains to say is... uh, It only remains to say I love you guys and... Bye! Bye!